Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Thursday. Today is September 24th, 2015. I'm Michelle Pache, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our caller number is 646-200-4169. Press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. Now, let's welcome Mike in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Hi, Mike. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, hi there, young lady. How are you? Thank you for Good. taking the switchboard today as we uh, we sit here in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, getting ready to work with a, kind of a unique group of individuals here in a retreat center called Where Grace Happens, or pardon me, Where Grace Meets. So it's kind of a sweet group of people that we're getting ready to work with. Yesterday's show, having the opportunity to have Susan Dunlap with us was just, to me, awesome. And after the show, she shared several stories of uh, of just different ways the work has impacted her over the last 37 years. And here she's been 93 times around the sun. It's just as bright as a silver dollar and just on go in her world and and ready to to do her work. It's just uh, really really a sweet opportunity to uh, to get to spend some time with her after so many years of uh, of not being in touch. I thought that uh, when she came forward with you know when her husband passed away that uh, she was in confusion and pain and and having used the tools, was able to do exactly what we're inviting everyone to do, and that is get back to their own source and be guided as to what to do. And uh, that she just was able, through her guidance, to write letters to her husband about her pain and alleviate her pain and be free of it. And, you know, uh, as, as I like to offer, no pain, no pain, that's all. It's not required. So... Very awesome to have that opportunity to connect with folks who've been around the work for so long. And actually, as a result of uh, the posting yesterday, I heard from another person who studied with me back 37 or so years ago, and uh, going to have a conversation with her later today. So it's uh, 
it's fun to reconnect with people and uh, and see how the work has impacted their lives. And of course, the work that we're talking about is the work of first century Aramaic forgiveness as the primary tool that we deal with. We have a whole series of tools that we work with that all come out of that original Aramaic forgiveness process. And beyond that, developing different uh, how-to experiences of how to work through those things that the average person has no idea are possible to change. And if you've never engaged in the forgiveness process, then we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And uh, if you scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see a red and white bullseye. Click on that bullseye and you'll start into a set of instructions that will tell you exactly how to engage in the, uh, the a total understanding and practice of first century. So that's our purpose in being here. And, of course, our show, if you have questions, once you do tap into that, then we are here to support you and answer those questions for you. And uh, is Dr. Tim with us today, Michelle? There is. Hey, Tim. Timothy. Hey there, good sir. How do you be? I'm doing well, Mike and Mickey. <laughs> there you Glad go. Glad to be here. Um, something I just wanted to share that um, every once in a while somebody sends me something that when I read it, I just say, well, this fits in so well with... Um, the work that I've learned through Dr. Michael Rice and that we're doing. And um, this author, uh, her name is Brene Brown. It's like Renee with a B in front of it. Um, have either of you heard of Brene Brown before? Yeah, Power of Vulnerability is a TED Talk that's almost viral. New, new well, title to me. So she has three books, and uh, and one of them, uh, the latest one, is um, Rising Strong. And the idea that she talks about in this one little article she wrote is that um, that really grabbed me was she was in an interaction with her husband where they were both getting triggered. And she says that um, here's a sentence with a phrase that's become a lifesaver in her marriage, both for parenting and professional life. And she said, okay, so the story I'm making up is that you were blah, 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 blaming me for not having groceries and that I was screwing up. But that full responsibility, when I get triggered and I'm interacting with someone, is, okay, I, I realize I got triggered, and then I back up and I say, the story I'm making up about this is that you're angry at me or you think I'm to blame or you're irritating me, and then it leads into a discussion of the most honest, the most direct explanation of what's going on in me internally now that I realize I'm triggered. So I just thought I'd and throw that, that out. And that I'm making up and that I'm making up my story based on the content of my mind. And, of course, everybody always has a right to make it up whatever way they like. And the tendency 
when people punch it unconsciously, of course, is to always make it up according to their power person dynamics until they resolve those. It's just kind of a nice piece of understanding. So I'll have to look into her work. Well, she's very, very good, and, and she's trying to be research-based. And one of the things that she ran into when she got into working for her uh, doctoral work is that um, they everybody said it has to be, you know, cold, hard, measurable, and rather, you know, quantitative research. And she had heard some things about qualitative research, and somebody finally gave her an article that opened up the possibility that you could do research about, you know, people's actual report and the quality of their experience. And so that's what she's been doing. And her most recent book, Rising Strong, she was interviewing Fortune 500 leaders, um, you know, really am- amazing people, but, but talking with them about, okay, so rather than hearing about all your successes, let's hear about your failures and what do you do when you find yourself flat on your back? How do you pick yourself up and what's that process like? So that's what the newest book is about. And she's, you know, she's cool. one of the things she talks about is the importance and 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 the strength in being vulnerable and being completely honest about what's going on with you. So a, a lot of her work that I've read fits very well with the work that I do and the work that we promote here on the Internet Show. Fabulous. And it is pretty awesome to just watch how it comes forward from more and more and more centers of influence all around the globe. That, uh, these kind of changes are taking place. It's pretty sweet. So, Michelle, anything exciting happening in your world to share today? Uh, nope. Not beautiful fall day in, in Lansing area. Nice weather and slow day, calm. Well, one of the things that um, that kind of uh, shocked me here, we're at a, a uh, retreat center in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, and they're right on the bayou right at the back to where there's a river and uh and they just talk very matter of factly that well, you know, uh three times in the last ten years the river rises up twenty five feet and it uh just floods our conference center. It just goes all the way almost to the second story and you know, it's just kind of part of the way life is. Just you know <laughs> and I'm looking, it's like they've got these refrigerators and this kitchen equipment and shelving and tables and it's like well what do you do with all we just went upstairs and you know and then when the flood recedes we the building's built in a way that you just hose it down and uh pull the insulation out replace the insulation let it dry out and and you just carry on it's like it's like oh my goodness i'd have to do some worksheets around that one (laughs) but anyway just different uh different perspectives that people have on uh on what it takes to have to do what it takes where where you live and the impact of it has. So do we have anything happening in the chat room uh, in the way of a question or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or where our calling number is 646-200-4169. If you have a question for us and you're on one of those stations we can't hear you or see you, 
uh, you can just call that number and you'll be talking to us if you push one. So anybody well, it, 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 it puts oh, me ahead, in mind please. of um, you're asking that reminds me that I went back to listen to Tuesday's show so I could, you know, listen with fresh ears and um, it, it, it reminded me that right at the end of the show, since you had called in as the host, I wasn't getting any cues about the timing. And since the gentleman right. had called in with his daughter-in-law had died and then two two months ago his son committed suicide and all of that was going on, I forgot to watch the clock and Sonny was in the middle of something and all of a sudden in my ear the phone said, thank you for using Blog Talk Radio, goodbye. So Sonny was cut off in the middle of something on Tuesday. I don't know if she's around, but uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that was a rather abrupt ending to the show because I didn't get any cues because you were you had called in as host that day. Right. Some people understand when you call in as host, then you get time cues that you know folks who are listening to the show can't hear, but. And Tim's here when he's the host or I'm the host. It says, okay, so 90 seconds, 60 seconds, 30 seconds. So, so we get to to wind things down usually. And, uh, of course, that day I was uh, cut off by the lack of signal. So thank you for being there to pick up the slack and, and carry forward. And, yeah, it does kind of end it abruptly when that happens. Yeah, normally I watch the clock, um, but... I was kind of caught up in the intensity of the previous caller, and and then I was just trying I understand to that. Re- recover and, and follow what Sonny was saying, and then all of a sudden, there was no time. So, uh, Well, Sonny, are you out there? Put your hand up if you, uh, you want to complete that question. We'd be delighted to hear it. Um, I, don't, I don't see her number here right now. Tim, I had um, attempted to intervene because I was watching the clock and you guys didn't hear me. Oh, here we've got a, a caller on the air right now. If you want to take it, it's area code 618. Where are you calling from? This is Hi. Jim Farmer using somebody else's phone. Hello, everybody. Uh, hey there, young man. Welcome. Uh, just a little little bit of feedback. Uh, we're on the road traveling back from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Dr. Tim's voice and Michelle's voice are strong, but Michael, yours is a little bit low, uh, and it's oh, really? not just my okay. thing. I have somebody else in the car, so I'm just offering that as feedback. Okay. And that's, Thank you for that's that. all I have to say. That's all I have to say for okay. now. God bless everybody. You're traveling from Hattiesburg. From Hattiesburg back to Heartland. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know you were going to be in Hattiesburg. And, and I just might put out an invitation there, anybody that's listening that would like to come and join us to be on the support team at Heartland. Michael did not put me up to this, but we are open. We are in need of having more people come to be on the support team to support the work. Uh, and you can come for a week, two weeks, two months, two years. Uh, and it's a great, great learning experience. And I'm complete. God bless. Cool. Blessings, travel blessings on you. Thank you. Will do. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
So 646-200-4169 is the calling number. And if you push one and you're in phone queue, you'll be talking to us. How can we support you? What uh, What's going on in your world today that you could use some support with or that we can answer questions but use some tools? It sounds like a boxing match in the background. I don't know where that's coming from. But Am I coming across loudly and clearly, uh, uh, Tim, Michelle? Well, no, I can I, hear you, I, but Michelle is stronger than you. And I do hear, like, wind noise in, in someone's phone. No, that was yeah. Jim Farmer's uh, car's turned off now, folks. Ah, okay. So if you haven't accessed the tool of forgiveness, go to our website, whyagain.org. And if you scroll down the page, there's a bullseye. And the first link under that bullseye will give you chapter 24 of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And of course, if you click on the book on the home page, you can download the whole book free in any one of several different languages. From that link from the bullseye, the second link, when you click on the bullseye, will give you uh, copies of a number of different worksheets that we've developed over the years based on the forgiveness process. And then the third link is a series of radio shows, some of our most important shows, and in particular about 16 different shows where either Dr. Tim or Junior or I have walked over through the whole forgiveness process. So lots of information about how to utilize that worksheet, that tool of forgiveness, and we invite you to take it. But it's a work in your life, and watch what happens. If when you click on the bullseye, you scroll down, you'll see a whole series of worksheets. The worksheets from all of our different workshops are listed there. And so you can go into purpose, personal power, and commitment, the purpose worksheet. You go into the three early memories exercise, codependence, communication. There's just all kinds of material there. And, uh, of course, if you download any of those given pieces of work and have questions about it, something about it doesn't make sense, that's what we're for, to give you support in understanding how to utilize that tool, what the purpose of the tool is, and how to make it most functional for you. So please take it, put it to work, and then ask the questions. All right, I have a question. Michael? Go for it. I'm with you. On a Tuesday support group, I was supported by Tony and, and Nitsi and the gal Sally and that was doing a worksheet they suggested. Um, I had, A memory came up and um, although I didn't necessarily recognize any feelings around the memory, Tony said, just do the worksheet, just use that memory, just, you know, their the suggestion was it doesn't really matter what the topic, you're, you know, you're gonna, it's going to go somewhere. And so I sort of surrendered, like, sure, okay, I don't, you know, this memory from second grade, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, of course, it was a powerful worksheet, and I uncovered stuff that, um, you know, came up as the worksheet unfolded. And when I got to number seven, and the line says, 
number one C, which in this case it was my dad, based on three, and it was um, about him uh, paying attention to me. I structure a truly loving goal towards you and offer to you blank. And I was truly blank. Uh, my father's passed away 10 years now, and throughout my life, my experience was very positive. I, I felt nurtured and loved and guided and cared for. I was very complete. He um, had brain cancer for 18 months, and so his death was slow. And, and knowing that um, he was likely a pass, really invested in um, spending that, that last year and a half with him as, as often as I could. And so when it came to trying to think of a, a, a loving goal towards him, I, I really was just stumped. So that's kind of the nature of the question in terms of structuring a goal for someone who's passed. Well, what was your goal? What was your goal in number three? The goal you had for him. Um, I, I don't have the worksheet in front of me. It was along the lines of um, paying attention to me and. Um, asking questions to get to know me better. I think it, it was along the lines. I wanted um, at the second grade him to be more involved with, you know, my life, my schoolwork, my activities. And he traveled a lot. So then I would be looking at, you know, the the idea in order to keep in alignment energetically with what the the work is about is you look back at number three and you base a goal around that issue. So it it might be something as simple as and and Dad, what I'm going to do is you know once a week I'm going to take time to get quiet and just really tap into your energy and be there with you open to receive communication from you and open to offer you my love. Even though he's not in his body, that for me would be a perfect goal to to set and to offer him. And like, like spending time and happened, paying attention to him. Say it again? What what I'm hearing you say is like spending time with him, paying attention to him. Yeah. Like I'm going to pay exactly. attention to you, Dad. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. And so what that does is it will give you the space to key into that file in your mind that perhaps still has some you know, feelings or thoughts of deficiency or attention. It will allow that to open. And since Dad was the one who, when you were that young, was able to open that file for you, uh, just by spending time with him, you'll be able to tap into him and probably get some communication from him, as well as heal any other parts of that part of your mind that are in need of healing just by bringing that sweet presence of love into that part of your own mind. I'm breathing that. that um, yeah, it warms my heart and I like the idea a lot. I have a slightly different thought if you're willing. 
Sure. Um, I'll tell you, um, Mitzi, just before you go, excuse me, Mitzi had suggested um, setting a goal that I would spend time with my children and, and make an additional offer towards them. The I landed for myself on um, a goal for um, more personal willingness to heal, like as... Um, Oh, like as a way to honor him that I would continue to do my work because I think way back when he was the first person who introduced me to Wayne Dyer when I was like nine years old. So um, he was influential in my um, spiritual path. So, uh, Tim, what, what idea do you have? My idea is slightly more in line with what you were just saying. So... Your goal was for your father to know you and understand you better. And so um, a, a slightly different, no less, no more um, valuable than Michael's suggestion is you could set the goal and offer it to your father that you get to know yourself better, that you continue to do this level of work. What you're assuming is that this thing that happened way back when, however old you were, fourth grade or four years old or whatever, has been in your energy system as an unachieved goal, driving your behaviors at different times whenever it got motivated or activated. And so you've been operating unconsciously, not really knowing what's been driving your behavior all through these years whenever this goal got activated. So the goal you could offer to your father is that you keep working to know yourself better and to understand the hidden factors that drive you. Great input. Yeah, thank you very much. That's that's wonderful. And I've gotten um, feedback from other people that would resemble that. That you know, you're you're right. There probably are um, dynamics that come up with. Um, man and attention that result from, like you said, the incomplete goal. Cool. I think that's a really uh, um, nice insight into where the worksheet takes people and where the worksheet goes. And, you know, when when you recognize that, you know, at least in the world of psychology, it's pretty well acknowledged that probably at least 95% of most people's mental processes are unconscious. That is where the power of the forgiveness process lies, is that when one cancels the goal that's driving some form of hostility or fear at the moment, what happens is that the uh, attention to the top tier of the mind, the conscious pain or trauma, whatever's going on, that whole structure, that construct dissolves. And as it dissolves, we get to drop into what's underneath it and become conscious and aware of it. And as you become conscious and aware of places in your mind where there are energies that are less than love, then you have the opportunity to fill them in with the presence of love and there's how healing happens. And so I think that's a that's a really sweet example of the number of directions that one can go with the worksheet and the kind of healing that can occur. And, you know, the the end result is just all kinds of awesome, powerful wonderful changes take place when we are willing to let ourselves go there. And 
so the power of being able to drop into the hidden part of the mind on a minute's notice has been, I think, underestimated in our world if it's ever even been thought of. And when people start to do it on a regular basis, it just changes everything in a most amazing way. So thank you for that example. Welcome. Michael, um, your voice is starting to get gravelly again. I don't know if you're walking around or the phone's having a... No, I'm, I'm in exactly the same place. We don't have the best signal here. Ah, got it. So we, nothing happened in the chat room and no hands up, so I'll go again. I noticed the other day, and i just more kind of interested about your own experiences with this. I was um, reflecting on something. It doesn't really matter what it was, something that had happened um, or I achieved, but that I was feeling so um, proud, happy, joyous to such an extreme level that I was crying, like tears of joy, I guess is what they're called. And... um, I was tapping because the intensity of the crying, so it felt like it was related to joy. But then when I was just really going into it and feeling the feeling, I there was like a the observer part of me said, wait a second, like I don't know if I can tell a distinction here between the feeling of crying of sadness and the feeling of crying of joy because they kind of felt the same. And then I'm thinking, could that be? Or is am, am I not sensitive enough in my body to make a distinction there that there maybe is a difference, but I'm kind of collapsed um So, had me wondering, because I know that... Well, for, me, for me, the the tears, the emotion around it, are simply an invitation. You know, most people go into an emotion... The emotion prompts a behavior, and they just do that behavior without ever investigating or looking at what's underneath it. Again, the power of the forgiveness process is when I recognize that there's a goal driving this, I can cancel that goal, and I can get to look underneath it and look into the mind energy, the thoughts that are behind it, and that's where the real key is. If you go to the opening words in the book of John where we're told it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, in Aramaic, it doesn't say that. It says in the beginning was the mind energy. And it's like the mind is the builder, and it's about becoming conscious of what is going on under the surface. And so in either case, whether it is tears of joy or tears of sadness, if I'm not conscious of the thought that's behind it, then I'm functioning rather unconsciously. As I allow myself to forgive and drop into that part of mind that I don't usually look at, then if there's a dynamic there that doesn't belong there, I have the ability then to remove it and clean up still another part of my mind, another part of my mind, and another part of my mind until everything that prompts behavior in me comes from a connected space of love rather than from some form of hostility or fear knowing that hostility or fear are always corrupt data and lead us off base for full human expression, then there's the opportunity when I'm 
willing to locate the goal involved. I'm willing to cancel the goal to drop into the next level of my own mind and make sure to keep it clean, keep it on track with where I really want to live. So it's about becoming conscious of the unconscious. I, I, love, I, I haven't repeated this one in a little while, but the uh, the thought that comes to mind is the one of Carl Jung who says, those who look without dream. And, you know, what shows up in the surface mind, if we think it's something that's happening outside of us, is, is a dream, and that's where most people live their whole lives dreaming that, you know, there's this terrible person out there or this wonderful person out there and that it's all outside of them and, and that's a dream state. And then he says that those who look within awaken. And so it's a chance to awaken to what's the difference in this part of my mind and that part of my mind. The emotion seems the same. Okay, so now I get to tap into on a subtler level what's the thought behind it so that I am conscious of that unconscious part of my mind. And when I make conscious the unconscious part of my mind, that's when healing happens. That's when I awaken. Does that make sense? It does. I'm I'm thinking about it more and wondering if, you know, so the thought for these tears of joy is what I was aware of, and then I'm wondering maybe there was another thought that was unconscious and, and maybe there was some sadness or something there. But um, Rex might have some suggestions for me. Hello. Hi, Michelle, Michael, Tim. How's everybody doing? Hey there. Welcome, young man. Good to hear your I'm voice. In ca- I'm in the car with Mitzi driving up north, so let me know if I'm coming through clearly because I know there's quite a bit of road noise. You're good. Awesome. Uh, Michelle, one of the things that I was hearing when you first started talking about this experience you were having is your first word or early in your description was pride. And that might be a cue as to what the energy was you might have been feeling as well as or mixed in with the joy. Um, What was the first part? You said, um, I thought I heard you say, I felt proud. Oh, yeah, right. And and usually pride for me, and I don't know if this is across the board for everyone, but for me is generally associated to an ego piece or a carbon-based mind um, thinking something is better than and something else is less than. And it's usually coming from a judgment. Well... Was there any part of you that thought what you were experiencing as a result of this fulfilled goal um, or whatever happened, because you didn't get into specifics, which isn't necessary, but was there any part of you that felt like that was a better experience than having it be something else? Sure, the the previous version of... I wish I could remember because I I wouldn't be I'd be okay to share. I just can't remember what it was that felt you know so good to me at that moment that I was was thinking about it and and crying because it was 
so if it was a success, like an accomplishment, I mean, there was something that I hadn't achieved and then I had. And so the judgment was that, yeah, the achievement was better than not having it. It would be, I mean, I don't know how that it would be equal to sadness because that was my original question that, that when when I went into the feeling, the, the feeling what I believe was related to joy felt in my body very similar to sadness. So that, you know, it just got confusing because we know you can't really hold love and sadness at the same time. Yeah, that that might be related to links, or it sounds like it's got links in there related to what your experience of joy and sadness are, and they've got, you know, similar links. You're probably accessing them. I mean, 25 times a second is a pretty fast change. Well, see, that's that's, in the, that's a very good possibility that I consider, that it's just going rapid, you know, pace, back and forth, back and forth, because maybe there was, you know, some, you know, relief that, okay, now I don't have to strive anymore because I've achieved it or whatever. I, I, I'm not sure. It's, it was just well, and, that's, and that might be where I would step in and cancel my goal to try to understand the process and just be present in it and then be consciously aware of what my experience is and move myself in the direction of, of, of being love rather than trying to understand it. That would be the input I have. Thanks. Where are you guys headed? We are going up north into the Upper Peninsula. We're headed for St. Ignace. We're um, going to visit our nephew up north. Oh, nice. Well, as you get there, Rex, tell him we send him alone and we send him up. Tell him he's, uh, he's, in my thought, he's in my thoughts often. Oh, God bless you, Michael. I sure do appreciate that. He's uh, he's doing really well. He's engaged in a cooking class. Um, for the listeners, my nephew um, has made a dramatic recovery from a very uh, drug-filled, troubled life to recovering and actually really doing well in prison serving a sentence of 10 years, and uh, he got moved up to a second level, which is a lot more mild, uh, and he's taking a cooking class, which he, he gets to eat the food that he's cooking and preparing, and he's learning all sorts of things. He's also going to take a welding class, and he's really preparing himself for when he gets out so he is able to get out into the work world and, and create a life that he truly is inspired to have. And he's applying the principles and tools, and it's quite... Uh, it's 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 wonderful to see and be a part of it. That's awesome. I kind of just made the assumption you were probably going to go see grandbabies. Oh, our grandbabies is that, yeah, that's not it. Um, but we went by there about thirty miles from my beautiful granddaughter and daughter and son-in-law's house, and we waved as we were going by because <laughs> we're going way up north. We're going up in the UP, almost a. Oh, wow. um, that's the middle of the Upper Peninsula, right off the strait. Awesome. Well, safe, safe journeys, and uh, we uh, we just had a couple of days with uh, with our granddaughter and daughter and uh, son-in-law in, -law in uh, St. Louis before we headed down here, and we just had a blast. Just had an awesome time. She's three and a half now. It's like 
what an age. What a and she's such a ham when I pull the camera out that it's just uh it's just fun to hang out with her. So and I'm I'm seeing no those doubt. pictures of uh, of your grand granddaughter that uh that Bray is posting and just really, really sweet. So that's a great experience you're in for all the way. Well it sure is and I you resonated, Michael, that we I watched a video today as I was riding in the car on your um, site, on your Facebook site, on that little five-year-old or, or six-year-old, I think she was, um, instructing her parents going through their divorce. And, wow, just really, really nice. I don't know if you'll remember that. But, uh, a young, uh, looked like a young um, Asian child, and her parents evidently had told her that you're, we're going through a divorce. We're going to get a, a divorce. And she said, you must stay. You, you, you're too high up here. You've got to get down here a little bit, but not so low that you go way down, but right about at the heart level. <laughs> you remember now? I mean, she was just full of wisdom. She talked like a very conscious being. It's really quite wonderful. But it's reminiscent of the consciousness that, uh, you know, young children have and we have that we, you know, lose touch with and forget. And we're in the process so we'll of remembering. Well, give Forest and travel safely. She's listening. Oh, cool. She, hey there, young Michael. lady. And she's got her hand up, too. So I'm going to put myself on mute. Michelle, you can go ahead and talk with me. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hey, young lady. Good to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle, for um, sharing. And I also appreciate you, Dr. Tim, for the um, the gift that you gave the listeners on Tuesday about uh, categorizing and sealing our grief, just sitting with the memories of a loved one that's died. Um, I've, I've done a variation of that over the years, and it it is really helpful, and I intend to um, do it a little bit more specifically according to your instructions. And I look forward to that. Um, something that a question that surfaces for me periodically, um, and did just now with something that you said, Michelle, is that you can't feel happiness or you can't feel love and sadness at the same time. And I believe I asked this question a while ago about, um, you know, we can't have the filters of hostility and love present at the same time. But I, I have found that we can have, we can experience love and our grief or our sorrow at the same time. And isn't that the whole point? That's, isn't that like step number four of the worksheet, to bring love present and hold it consciously present while we feel our upset? So sometimes I get confused about that um, idea, at least in principle. I, I feel like I do experience it, and that is like the core of healing, actually, to stay in a loving space while I'm crying or while I'm missing my son or while I'm, you know, um, feeling it, feeling my upset. So perhaps um, one of you could just uh, expand on that of how we do feel love and pain at the same time or we, do, or we don't, according to the principles. Well, my, my take on that would be the idea, of course, if we can keep more present, that other energy can that we hold can move in us, and as it moves in us, because 
being because love is active and present, simple exposure of that energy that's less than love to the active presence of love is going to create a transmutation. And so the primary feeling is the presence of love, and then the energy that's been stored that is based in hostility or fear can still move, but we're not running goals through the filters of hostility or fear. It's just that energy stored from the past that we're creating the space to come forward in the presence of love that creates the transmutation or the dissolution of the hostility or fear. So that would be my take on it. Tim, you have any thoughts? Well, I would just kind of like what Rex said earlier, I get out of trying to understand it with my intellectual mind and move to the experiential mode. And then I just work to keep love conscious, active, and present and trust what happens. And so it isn't it's never been that important to me to label it. It's been more important to me to experience it differently. Good point. So does that uh does that help Misty? Yes, yes it does. Uh, the only and, and I guess I do experience it on an experiential level there isn't a question. It, it's that's accurate. On an experiential level then having a um, love active of feelings that are unlike love surface skill, that feels very resonant and true. But I guess if I'm telling someone else about it or in, in this situation right now where I'm doing a lot of writing, I wanted to make sure I understood the principles of it. But for me, I feel like I used to think I knew things, and most of that I've just thrown right out the window. And there's only a few things I actually feel like I do know. And one of them is that, that that's how, um, you know, this huge uh, bottle of grief and sorrow that I felt was with this journey, journey stuff, just, that's how I've been healing it. Just, you know, naming it when I feel it, okay, I'm angry right now, but also I'm engaging love. I'm folding love present through while I have this experience. And it does feel like being exploited. So the feeling is okay. It's not the experience. Awesome, and I appreciate you being on the team and uh, 
and the work that you do. I'll look forward to seeing uh, more of that writing that you're doing and uh, helping to get it out to the world. Uh, Thank you. When, Thank when you. It's moving forward. That. Yeah, cool. Fabulous. All right. Okay, bye. I understand. Okay, blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep, thank you. Bye. All right. Well, Michelle, is uh, is Jeannie there with her hand up? Oh, yeah, she is. Well, Hi thank there. Lord. She's got some feedback for you. Yeah, this goes back. I, had, mm-hmm. I was over in the conference room setting up our table and and cleaning the whiteboard, but I was listening to the show. And so I had just had some feedback, Michelle, something that you might, and you may have done this before, but in regards to your dad, there's an exercise that we do sometimes where it's you, write, you would write your dad's life story from his point of view as if you were your dad. And there's super insights. Like when I did it on my mom, and knowing that her dad died when she was like 18 months old and, and some of the things, you know, that I've heard her going through the, the wartime and the ration stamps and all that. And then when her and daddy got married and she was in college, but then she got pregnant, had to quit college. And, you know, so just I'm, I've heard enough of her story to be able to write it as if I were her and the feelings that would come up for me if it were me. And at the end of it, it was like, whoa, you know, I had such insight to what she was experiencing and how that shaped her to be the person that she is now. And some of the things that, you know, I would term as drives me crazy, brings up my craziness, but yet I could understand it from a different point of view by writing her story. So you might write your dad's story as if you were him. So write it in the first person, I did this or I did that, and you know, even if it feels like you're making some of it up, just right. write, and you might come up with some insights of why he didn't spend as much time with you. You know, there may be a fear or something like that that he had. But that's an awesome, powerful exercise. So I was just wanting to offer that you might try that and see what comes of it. Thank you so much. I like that you're idea. Welcome, sweetie. And thank you for filling in for me today. Oh, no, no problem. I love doing it. Good thought, good input, Jeannie. And specifically writing about the events of that particular uh, worksheet would uh, would probably be particularly powerful for you. Yeah, I, I, um, it was interesting because I kind of uh, actually the suggestion that Jeannie made when you're talking about that specific incident, I um, actually did on the drive home have some fantasies about what was life like from his eyes and in terms of relating to me. And so that's interesting. Um, it's, it's just an opportunity to take it further. And I think, you know, of course, putting your thoughts into written words is a process powerful in itself. Well, and what would you suggest when you do that exercise is that you imagine that person in front of you and you actually breathe into their space and invite them to share with you their perspective. And in a most amazing way, people get such powerful, powerful input and insights. You know, when you look at the whole purpose of the communication did you hear what i think i said with that tool and recognize that 
communication is what happens when I have a 9-bit reality in my mind that I can transfer intact into your mind. And that's a powerful place to be able to, you know, perhaps never having had real communication from a parent that is never really grasping, never having had the opportunity to have what's actually happening in their minds awake and alive in your mind so that you fully comprehend. It can be a powerful space to, to get that, and that's, I think, what Jeannie's describing happened when she worked with her mom. It's like, gee, never thought of that, but here I am now. Mom is actually communicating with me, showing me the structure that her mind was living out of, and it's, it's just a powerful place to be. And it creates a lot of compassion, too, because you realize some of the things that they faced and went through and maybe haven't dealt with, you know, that they haven't gone down deep and say, okay, what did that creator bring up or trigger in me? And by not looking at it and pushing it down in the unconscious, then their whole life revolves out of that. And then some of their behaviors back towards me or other people, then you can see where it's like their frustration being manifested toward me where they were, weren't able to deal with it before themselves or whatever. So it's it's like like our codependence worksheet. They're trying to get it close enough for them to look at it, but projecting it on someone else. So, you know, it could be issues that he had that he didn't know how to deal with and, and projecting them then towards you when it's really about him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's totally a process for me. Everybody else just maybe gets a little bit of the benefit. That's what I was telling some of the ladies this morning when we were chatting and we were talking about the women's workshops. And I said, you know, I always tell my audience, you know, you all came here for my healing and I thank you for participating in it. It's always, you know, kind of uh, self-motivated as well. So thank you both. And uh, we'd love to support you if you have a question for us. If we were in your city presenting these ideas, we're up on a platform, we complete our workshop, our presentation, everything that's been said in the show so far, and we walk down off the stage, there's Michelle, there's Jeannie, there's Tim, there's myself, there's Rex, which one of us would you come up and ask a question of based on the conversation that's happened so far here? Now, I know that, and I say this from thousands of audiences, I know that virtually everybody's got a question. And sometimes people are a little too shy to share their question. What would yours be? If you walked over and asked me or Tim, what would your question be? How can we support you? How can we help you to get a deeper, more refined understanding of the principles we're speaking of? If you're in the phone queue, maybe you push one and put your hand up. And sometimes people avoid putting their hand up because they feel it's on the radio. My voice will be shaky, and I don't know if I want to do... cancel your need to sound good. And go ahead and ask your question. Every question is important and is a contribution to the whole community of people that are listening. 
646-200-4169. Where are all the scams today? We're down to about five minutes, so we've got time for one more well, let conversation. Me, let, let me just chime in here then, because um, one of the things that I think I heard um, Mitzi say was that she wanted to know what to say to be right, something about getting it right when she's writing about this. And um, what's just come to me in the past few minutes is to say to Mitzi and, and Brea and Rex and anybody who might be in that family or on that team trying to explore this is I would strongly encourage you not to worry so much about getting it right or having it fit according to somebody else's theory, but just tell your story. Tell it from your perspective. Tell it from what you learn. Tell it from how it feels to you and what works and doesn't work for you. I think that's a far more powerful, valuable uh thing to do than to try to get it right according to someone's theory about how things work. Well, that sure ties in, Tim, with the, with the whole idea of the power person dynamic because, and that might be a good worksheet topic uh, to do, Mitzi, is, uh, is a worksheet on having to do it right. Was that ever an issue with your power person? And if it was, then by canceling need to be right, you'll probably drop into still a deeper level of comprehension of uh, of all the dynamics that are going on inside of you, outside of you, around you, and uh, striving to simply be in your essence and, as Tim says, share your story, as opposed to fulfill a demand from a power person who said you had to do it right or you're not allowed to speak up or you should be quiet or, you know, the old children should be seen and not heard kind of game. So that might be a good worksheet topic. Good thought, Tim. So 646-200-4169. We're down to a couple of minutes. So if anyone's got, well, actually, we're down to about a minute and a half now, so... I guess we really don't have time for another caller. We'll just say that uh, we'll invite you to go to our website if you want to use those tools. If you want, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in the archives. There are videos, there are audios, there's written material in the book. It's all there free online. Please take advantage of it. Please use it. If you'd like to do paid support, we appreciate the fact that you would choose to do that as well if you're benefiting from this to offer some support back to the work that we're doing uh, empowers us to take it to the next level. And so should you choose to engage in that, there are videos and audios that you can buy from our catalog. There's a donate button if you'd like to donate. That would be awesome. Our schedule is posted for next summer. We're right now we have a 60, I think 68-day summer schedule set up for next summer. So take a look, and if you're ready to register for an intensive, there's a special where, with your registration, uh, there's a a set of uh, 10 DVDs available. If you mention that uh, you were on the show and you heard about the intensive, then we'll give you a full set of all 15 DVDs. So 30 hours of uh, workshop material that you're welcome to, uh, to have and put to work in your life to build the brain cells for coming to an intensive. 
We are looking at the possibility of doing a codependence to interdependence nine-day nine uh, along with a practicum on the communication process, and that looks like that will probably happen sometime in the later part of, uh, of February. Uh, we'll be in Cape Coral, Florida. It's, it's looking like we're still uh, negotiating with a, a prop there to work. So come and join us, and we'd be delighted to have you, and we appreciate you. Bring strangers to show tomorrow. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Dot com.